Hey, this is Robert Rustler, known as the Rusty Dog, also known as the Bad Boy of Architecture. Some people also refer to me as the guy that threw his grandma down a flight of stairs. You're listening to Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that is still holding out hope for the return of xena warrior princess (laughs) my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode our uh, hand-drawn journey finds us looking backwards by looking forward as we soak in 2021's <laughs> The Spine of Night. And uh, whether you've taken from the earth or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your bloom hole. <laughs> and we are blooming out on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on both Blue Sky and Facebook. At Nightmare Junkhead, but it is only on the Book of Face, where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and flowery shenanigans. And this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, January 19th. Uh, If you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com, where they will find they have those flowery shenanigans taken care of. Indoors. And that is it for now. But more importantly, uh, head on over to the Friday Night Freight tab. And the Friday this episode is releasing, our latest Friday Night Fright uh, comes from a true horror master, mm-hmm. and that is one Dario Argento. I'm excited for this one. I understand it is going to be a first time viewing for you. Yes, I'm going to fill in my Argento gap. His gap is, his filmography is fun to fill in, mm-hmm. because you do have the Jallo, but then you have just his, his other style. films. Uh, his, his other ones. <laughs> But at the same time, like this is like his first one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and then it's it's you know it's going to be salacious. I'd like to see the seeds, the uh, the seeds of the Jello, because I'm way more into Jello than I was when I was like a teen. Well, that's just it. I think because we've had a chance to kind of age in, mm-hmm. and our baggage has very much changed, that we appreciate a lot of this stuff now. And we'll definitely get to why I'm kind of glad I've seen a lot of these films older yeah. than I did younger. For a number of reasons, but yeah, to see that up on the big screen, it's going to be a good time. Mm -hmm. But then looking forward to uh, next Friday Night's Fright, and I will just say this, uh, if this one doesn't scare you... (laughs) You're already dead. (laughs) And one of the favorite things when it comes to our live show at Panic Fest Mm -hmm. is the whole explain a plot badly of which I give you all the credit, my friend. <laughs> Putting together those things, it's a lot of fun. But this Friday night, we're gonna see an <laughs> we're gonna see a young boy and an ice cream man being terrorized by an old man and his balls. <laughs> For the first time. For the first this is time. the, the OG Don Coscarelli classic Phantasm. <laughs> the, <laughs> the screening is this way, sir. and it's one of those that if you haven't seen it's fucking greatly weird it is weird there's 
a lot of dream logic going on. You don't look to have it make sense. No, don't but just go to experience, experience it. it. If you're looking for really like closure, <laughs> you well, no, it, you're it, not gonna get it. It has one of my favorite endings of all time, and it's one of those that has the most inexplicably weird franchise of which we've had a moment that now lives with infamy with us and the show. Mm-hmm. Boo. <laughs> we've never experienced it before, but Phantasm has given never us that since, experience. So, yeah. so please <laughs> come out fan- and hopefully <laughs> not us. have that experience. I guarantee. <laughs> We're not showing five. We're showing the OG. The OG. The OG. The OG. <laughs> no booze. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I can't wait for people's first time because it, this is divisive. And I, everyone knows of this movie. Mm-hmm. They know about the tall man. Mm-hmm. They know about the balls. But what you don't know of are the impromptu jam Jam sessions. sessions. I was going to say, come for the old man and his balls. Stay for the ice cream man concert. <laughs> it's And that's it's the charm yeah. of it. And it's also the stuff that is, as we would as we would grow to say in love, very Coscarellian yeah. of it. Absolutely. <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better if Reggie would have singing, I'm your ice cream man, stop me when I'm passing by. Show up early for the pre-show. You <laughs> might get a snippet of something very, very similar. They're hot as love, genius. There we go. <laughs> now speaking of something else that is hot uh, The other repertory screenings are going to be happening On the weekend of the 19th uh, On the now Kind of defunct Nerds of Nostalgia Podcast mm-hmm. We did an episode On the Cornetto Trilogy uh, That is Edgar Wright's trio of films That basically Pay tribute And homage And become a film of itself It started with Shaun of the Dead Mm-hmm it kind of ended with The World's End. A love letter to all things genre. And this genre with hot fuzz mm-hmm. is a love letter to action. Narp. <laughs> How, when did you realize that was The Hound? The Hound, like in season three. <laughs> and I was looking back like the fucking hound. I'm like, oh no shit, it's Narp. And I will also say, now that you've seen uh, The Wicker Man, right? I think this movie will play a little bit better. For the greater good. The greater good. And now that Olivia Coleman is Oscar winner, she's over there and like, a little murder. Great. An amazing cast. And, and just so spot on with uh, Edgar Wright. I like, his, I like his style a lot. Well, and I will tell you this, depending on my mood, I know the easy answer is Shaun of the Dead is kind of everyone's favorite. And of course, it's, it's everyone's mm-hmm. first kind of... Their first flavor right. of the Cornetto trilogy. But as I've gotten older, and I think we've talked about it before, Frankie, uh, <laughs> The World's End uh-huh. is starting to get a little bit more relevance. The and older resonate. we get, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Hot Fuzz, though, that one's still just in terms of how much fun it is. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you are in life, when you're trying to find your pathway and find a balance to where you can have a career and a way to fund your life, but right. also to enjoy the life outside of that. For the greater good. The greater good. Right. And and just also like a good old fashioned gore fest. Oh. Sam Peck and Paw approved. Yeah. Just like it's bullets and blood everywhere. But yet, like you said, there's also a message. That's what I like about Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. He's got like things to say, but he also is like, you know what? People will listen more if I throw cool shit at it. <laughs> And when you have Timothy Dalton slashing prices, yes, it's goddamn glorious. Yes, it is. Yeah. So that being said, fascist, 
Hag. Hag. <laughs> uh, in continuation of the Kubrick series, we've got two films that are going to be playing over the weekend. And one of them I saw in a film class. And I know I was actually kind of shocked at how funny I found it. Mm-hmm. But it's another one of those that when I went back to it with the baggage, uh, Dr. Strangelove played so much more profound. It's funny. And it's like, Goofy. It's you don't expect how slapsticky slapstick, and, yes. and goofy it is. <laughs> well, and also now that I have a better appreciation of one George C. Scott mm-hmm. and knowing how you're a changeling. Let's bomb him. Like, goddamn. <laughs> Be it the the importance of fluids uh-huh. and the retention of fluids to the classic there's no fighting in the war room. It's it, it's a classic for a reason. And you also get very young. James Earl Jones. Oh yeah, in the fighter, along with um, what's his bucket? Um, Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. <laughs> what is not Slim and Pickens is the other Kubrick film that is going to be playing, and that is a Clockwork Orange. So that's one where Simpsons made me backwards engineering too. Oh no! Oh no! And probably too young of an age. <laughs> well, listen, Bart grabbing for the cupcakes is one thing, right? Then when you reverse engineer and you see know, what it is, and then like you fucking you dressed, dressed up as, as a drogue in one of the episodes. It's unreal. Maggie was a drogue as one of the episodes. That yeah. So <laughs> and it's such an adult movie. And I am always down for some ultra violence. This is, movie was crazy. Uh, I remember seeing this and like, god oh, damn. You know where I saw? You, you know where I first saw this movie? Not at home. I saw it at home. Okay. PBS. Oh, wait, so had to, was it edited? No, they didn't, really? edit, they didn't edit shit on PBS. Ooh, yeah. So you took in a clock. Yeah. Like, you went through the Ludovico like, technique. They didn't have warnings. Like, and I'm like, all right, cool. Because this one earns its hard R, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Uh, technically, dong. Yeah. You're breaking it out. And then also, don't forget the Wendy Carlos score. It's incredible. Yeah, two of Kubrick's best happening this weekend. And then... As well, the Twilight Marathon. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted, I can't say anything about Twilight. Nah, I ain't going to say nothing bad about Twilight. If that's your bag, that's your bag. Well, I've never seen one of them. Neither and and I. I don't say that in a bad way. And I'm not saying in a Sunni way, I've never seen or I've never read it. It just nah. wasn't necessarily it just for me. Or me. Yeah, it's not our bag. It's I like my vampires a little bit more bloodthirsty and or goofy. That being said, though. You talk about seeds and what they, you know, bring forth. The fact that this franchise gave birth to uh, Kirsten Stewart and Robert Pattinson, yeah, getting to go weird and genre and do and their thing. I love it for it, and I mm-hmm. probably should be actually sitting through this, not sitting through this, experiencing this because it is for not for us, but it's for a lot, lot of, people. of people. A lot, lot of, people. of people, and like, good on them. I know. I hope they have good a blast them. with it. I hope mm-hmm. they have a good time with it. I'm, like I said, I'll probably get to them eventually down the line. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, if not, see what all the hubbub's about. Mm, like I said, I like both of the actors that are involved. So uh, I guess we hope to see you out being sparkly with the Screenland <laughs> film family. Uh, but Sparkle genius, <laughs> doubt your commitment. Uh, but genius, if I'm talking film family. Hey. Bellies. We have our own collection of pallies uh, hanging, uh, I should say, film family members hanging on a Patreon. And if you're on the I've Seen That tier or above, 
you are going to be hearing our thoughts on technically what is our first kind of taste of horror of 2024. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be taking a dip with Night Swim. Ooh, haunted pools. And it should be noted, in terms of how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. we're recording way in advance. Yeah, so we haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's great. There's a reason we've scheduled it, because if anything, I know James Wan has produced it. Yeah. So if it has his stamp of approval, or if it's even Wan adjacent. If it's Wan, exactly. If it's Wanish, <laughs> Wanish. If it's Wanish, then we'll do it. We'll definitely, we'll definitely be. check it out, because he won me with Malignant. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, I was a fan of his shit before, but... It's now he has the lifelong pass. Right. Because of Malignant. Yeah. And he'll also then get that lifelong, I'm going to watch what he's associated with. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what our thoughts are going to be. And if you would like to hear our thoughts on that, and actually so much more, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we are continuing a loaded month of basic goodies. Goodies. Kicking off 2024 mm-hmm. right. And... Continuing 2024 here on the main feed and a journey that I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, kind of the breakneck pace and tonal switch from the first three films, I feel almost like an animated character in and of itself, like the accordion effect. <laughs> Eyes bulging out and all that stuff. But that's a good sampling. Mm. And, and it also breaks the taboos because <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but we've seen a lot of different styles of animation so far and a lot of different nudity, but only one of the movies has been for titillation purposes. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like I think of, I'm not jumping the gun, but with this movie, there's a, so much animated nudity, but none of it's like, oh, look how ribald it is. This is like, no, they just don't have clothes. We kicked things off with heavy metal. With the dirty one. With, with the rivaled one. Exactly. It knew exactly who its audience was. Mm-hmm. It knew eventually via cable it was going to be able to see, again, sowing the seeds for Folks for, like us. For anyone who still has the heart of a 14-year-old boy with a trapper keeper. And <laughs> again, our baggage now, more than anything, I, it was that naughty nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That feeling of, I Ooh. remember when this was... Taboo. St- yes. <laughs> and something different. Uh-huh. Something new. Another way to view the world. And also another artistic outlet mm-hmm. that I... Were you ever, or did you ever go into like drawing and stuff like that? I tried, did you? But I'm not that good. I'm more yeah. of a big picture man. Now, like if I could figure out a way to turn my ideas into cartoons or like you know some of the, the mm-hmm. like that or visualize it, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Million dollars, million dollars. Well, <laughs> but I just can't draw with shit. Well, those that could draw, they did draw, and in heavy mm-hmm. metal, if anything, the tone of that movie I think perfectly fits. The tone of our podcast in general. It's kind of mirth, merriment, mayhem. Mm-hmm, all of that and the, the mammaries. Mm. <laughs> and then we we experience perfect blue. Mm-hmm. And which is another great little diversion of like and subversion of of, of but tropes and flavors. Of all of all the things then that we brought out from heavy metal, it was not necessarily tough. To find an entertaining bend on Perfect Blue mm-hmm. because it is such a heady and serious it movie. It is. And everything presented in it. Like, if you go back to last week, it took me on a journey that I feel still feel like I'm recovering from in terms of what is real, what is not real. Right. And loved it. 
lived up and it lived up to the hype, which was probably the biggest thing. Like, because I know you've been hurt by it. At, at me, least you didn't see yourself as a pop idol jumping around on uh, oh, window geez. seals. All elegant? No, that's still that is still ha- that still haunts it's me. Creepy. Like it is legit it's creepy. creepy. It's legit legit creepy. But then I knew I would have somewhat of kind of a palate cleanser mm-hmm. with the next film going in because Perfect Blue was my first time. You had experienced it before. Mm-hmm. Our film today, I watched for the, I've seen it before. It and was, I've never seen it before, and I'm going in blind, so blind that I thought this was a different movie. Good, because this is a movie that I think, in terms of tone, definitely fits the show a little bit more. In terms of the mirth and the mayhem, right? Where we definitely can have, the more mayhem side. Have a little bit more fun with it. Yeah. In this case, it's so, not as serious and dour as Perfect no, Blue. Not as heady. I. It's basically good versus evil. I needed that. Yeah. I needed that kind Something of simplicity. Uh huh. Like, give me that. We talked about duality last week. <laughs> this is good Manichaeism duality. Good and evil, right and wrong, played in a fantastical, phantasmagorical yeah. kind of approach. But whimsical, not whimsical in like a fairy tale land, but more of like another realm, another world. Very Eternia. Like, that's like my, I go in like a. If it's set in another world, Eternia rules. Well, what were you then anticipating? There's another movie that I was thinking of, which we may or may not get to in this round of animation domination or whatever we're going to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Animation mutilation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it was called To Your Last Death or something where it was an anthology of different horror stories, but all gory and about serial killers and shit and... Yeah. What, so, wow. So that's what you were anticipating and thought. Yeah. We're not not set in a fantasy land. Not like Tarn or mm-hmm. H- Hoblock the Barbarian or anything like oh, that. Wow. You know, I wasn't expecting all that. Okay. So I was like, okay. We we when we open up with it, I think I said it like when we opened up with a naked woman climbing up a mountain. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of those kind of movies. And yes, in our journey of adult animation, we have come to this weird checklist of things <laughs> that make it. Adult animation. Right off the bat, there's there. It is not only is not only is it nudity genius, but it is legit full frontal, mm-hmm. and it is legit designed, as we said, not to till it, to titillate, no, but to just be. It's just be. That's just their wardrobe. The entirety of the film felt very Verhoeven mm-hmm. in a way, in terms of the blasé faire approach to it. And let's just say this right off the bat. Dong. dong cartoon dong animated dong and i know we got that technically in heavy metal but yeah. here it's all over the place it's pronounced yeah it's not necessarily in the shadows no but no. again it's not to titillate like do you see no. this do you find something erotic about naked men lifting things you know no it's Much just like, it's just like a bunch of naked people lifting up a chariot or naked people walking through the forest or like fucking and here we see the tribe men going through their daily day wang bouncing in the wind you know so felt national geographic like right. there was a natural just it was organic mm-hmm. in that way but it also the thing that i was familiar in terms of this film because i was lucky enough i did catch it theatrically uh caught it at screenland in theater 1 and oh, i was wow in the normal spot, at the mm-hmm. front, in the couches, uh, film family member Bobby was there. In fact, <laughs> I got there kind of late. It was like a 9.30 screening. I rolled into about 9.27, and I was like, I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if I have any other uh, you know, animated perverts like myself that are going to see this you know, out on the big screen. 
So Bobby was there. It's like, well, yeah, there, there's one of my people. You're right. <laughs> I was like, I even like a kind of apologize. Like, hey, I thought, sorry, this isn't a solo viewing. But then apparently I had like maybe about five or six more people that showed up. But it was an experience. And it was one of those that I think about halfway through, I kind of looked over at him. I was like, this is great. Because it was all of those things I was anticipating and heard of. I heard it was an old school throwback rotoscope film to the heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And also the fire and ice that this was leaning heavy into like the Bakshi yeah. territory, the Frank Frazetta territory. I dug it because it felt like those old school like it, barbarian cartoons and it, shit that we grew up with, but way more violent and way more adult. And listen, we, we I think we mentioned Thundar yeah. possibly last week in this case. But this one, this well, one has like just it's fantastical realms and I, I dug it just but not right like there's crazy creatures or anything like that there wasn't orco or beast man or anything like that it was just more conan the barbarian than anything just sorcerers and warriors and it definitely has a heavy metal-esque approach a couple of ways in lieu of kind of the nudity the violence and the just the nudity and the violence for the most part, mm-hmm. but then also how uh, the Lochnar yeah. was this storytelling device, in a way, an anthology. And this one is a secret anthology, and the reason why I say yeah. it's a secret anthology, it's because even though all the stories are very different, they're not different animation style, no, it, but they're all connected. It's all one long story, and, and I like that approach. The connective tissue is not tissue. No, it's flowers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's petals. Flowers. It is the bloom. The bloom. As it is known. <laughs> and... The bloom itself is this MacGuffin, this mm-hmm. magical MacGuffin mm-hmm. that through the appropriate like knowledge, training, uh, discipline, can do anything with it. Yeah, you can bring light to the and, world or bring it all to chaos. Well, And that's what I love with it is that it basically starts as a, very much as a healing device mm-hmm. and used for that kind of ritual. And then very quickly you discover that it has the capacity to do terrible shit depending on who wields it right and i think it all came down to reverence of the flowers Mm -hmm. you know just like Mm -hmm. who's like even they were talking earlier in one of the episodes uh, one of the segments this uh oh it's nothing but a swamp yeah but a swamp will take care of you if you take care Care of of it it. so (laughs) and this movie is seeped and i'm sorry to say seeped for anyone that is on patreon after a girl on the third floor (laughs) but it is seeped in that fantasy setting mm-hmm. and the fantastical worlds where you will have the swamp people. Yeah. You know, you will have the serfs these... and the barbarians and the, the warlords. And therefore you have their way of living mm-hmm. there. And that's what I actually legit love is kind of the world that they create in this one, uh, where there is limit to knowledge. And there's fact, actual like literal gatekeeping when it comes to having knowledge it's it's not even just that. It's just it's, it's very dystopian. It is none of the world. This world is not a great world. No, oh. no matter how good it looks and how later it gets, it's like nothing is happy. Like even in the first one, when they're like, "Behold, civilization," and it's, it's a it's a fucking dump. It's just dark and dank, and everybody's miserable. They make mention it smells like shit. It smells like shit. Then you move a couple of thousand years, and then you're at the age of enlightenment, where you have where people not value knowledge more than their own basic needs. Mm-hmm. Maslow's thrown out the fucking window with that one, right? And so th- then you have a 
class between the scholars and the commoners, so which is never good. Oh no, and then there's that disparity in the fact that they are they that are supposed to be scholars are supposed to be the good ones, mm-hmm. and yet we find the power corrupting. And there's that whole line of a desire for power is not the same as desire for knowledge. Right. And so there's this really wonderful philosophical undertow that is found throughout the film, but it's also littered with hardcore violence and all extra violence, next level violence in detailed this violence. When somebody gets oh, bifurcated, they, you see every piece of sinew, every gore, every little just droplet of blood splurge out. People are getting stabbed in the eye, gutted, decapitated, resurrected, gutted again. Mm-hmm. I mean, things things are going nuts, and it's violent. Every segment, there's always massive amounts of blood in fact there's even a whole subsect where they want blood do you know you had just blood he was doing necromancy which is cool we don't see a lot of necromancy representation anymore you know i think we need to bring back old school necromancers just like the baddies i think that's great it's technically really frowned upon it is most society that's why they're bad they make the easy bad guy exactly well especially the pompous necromancer right the one that is, he, he just knows he's smarter than you, and he's waiting for you to talk so he can correct you. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing worse than that. It's And the designs of the things oh. are cool. Like the the emperor, for lack of a better term, when he had those two fingers so he could oh, turn books. The, the page turners yeah, that, that ultimately cool. became these wonderful Wep- weapons mm-hmm. that almost reminded me, if you were in some sort of game or like an RPG... That's, he's the boss, the swipe. Mm-hmm. Even then when he's the like swipe. trying to teleport or not teleport with levitate, oh. he just grows and then just kind of dissipates as he goes up. That was that cool. Was that was super, super cool. Fucking, and there are, I mean, moments peppered throughout this film, as we mentioned, especially with heavy metal, on the side of a van, it would yeah. enhance the van. And this movie is metal as all get out. Yeah, it is. But it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Dourly beautiful. It, Gorily beautiful. It's phantasmagorically beautiful. And it's not as vibrant no, as heavy metal was or not. like perfect blue. Very muted. But that I think that's, when you have muted colors, like the, the background and, and that, that's what makes the blood pop. That mm-hmm. makes the magic mm-hmm. spells <laughs> that much more like, holy shit. That's what gives. That's why um, the bloom was really the only thing blue in the union, in the whole world. Everything else. Everything else was gray and green and dark and all that shit. The bl- bright neon blue bloom. And that, I think that that was intentionally, and it was a good choice. Well, I think if they made it green, it, it would have weighed way like this is the fucking Lochnar, well, and it blends too much into this dank world. It actually, I like the fact that it did, in a way, show that there is hope mm-hmm. in this colorless universe in this dour and dank <laughs> environment and world not really because even the one the segment where they're like oh, that's you know, true. we're the, gonna the, talk about the, the love of hope okay cool like now in the next story two survivors of something terrible find the the bloom and decide to like fall get in high, love, get high with then... it and like enjoy the night sky meanwhile the troopers come slicing to death Next story. Like, that's not hopeful. Well, <laughs> that's not hopeful. We talked about from the beginning. And from the beginning, we actually had a couple of, even it was a couple of the logos that I mm-hmm. legit thought were cool. The yellow veil uh, pictures. I thought that was a cool The picture. little Jalla one. Uh-huh. And then the next one after that, I think it was like Gorehound or something. But the galaxy setting that we see. And this is, again, the second time I watched it. And I don't think I was aware of it, even in theater one. 
they had like little faces melded into the background of the galaxies. Really? Yes, like skeleton-esque looking. Hmm. It was incredible. Well, that makes sense because the whole thing started with the battle of gods in the in the sky. When we get that origin story? It was cool. And it's again the use of the negative space. Yeah, that everything was dark and this is the one segment where they switched the animation style where they're and because it was a flashback mm-hmm. at the beginning, but with everything with shadow, and you see the like you said, the negative space and all the space. And but then, then the neon within our gods, within their gods, as, as man destroys the gods. It's there's probably, and I know that uh, fantasy folks that really dig into fantasy, they you know to have that overlap in terms of adjacency to like philosophy and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, so I can definitely see people really digging into a lot of that yeah that's there uh but then we go we get the full frontal but then we get the explanation of everything and this is where i think we kind of both had some rick dalton moments especially with the voice cast yes and the talent that is involved and it is a number of people that you would recognize if you're genre fans I'd like to think it's people you'd recognize if you're non-genre fans, if you're into serious films. Mm-hmm. But I think, what was the first, your first one? You're like, hey, well, is that? Or honestly, did... it was Patton Oswalt. It was, okay. It, once I heard Patton Oswalt, I was like, okay, so Patton Oswalt's in this. I wonder who else is in this. And then that's where you get, first and foremost, welcome back to the show, Betty Gabriel. Yes. And from our show to your show, she is just well represented mm-hmm. and is again one of those character actors that be it you know in person or voice acting immediately you're like hey yeah that's Betty Gabriel now genre favorite and same thing with Joe Menginello there you go good job as Mongrel and the character of Mongrel I think you pointed it out he doesn't he look like an animated ravishing Rick Rude. I was waiting for him from to rock do the and wrestling, little, the little like if he, shimmy. Yeah, just coming. Uh, the magic. I mean, he is Magic Mike's in the in that movie at least. So. It was the combination of the mustache and, and that mullet. I don't Barbarian know if it was a mullet. mullet though, because I think it was maybe kind of a ponytail, like a pony ponylet. Yeah, but it was an odd combination. It, it, it was it was fantasy mullet. But he had kind of almost like a <laughs> Zardoz yeah, look did. to him as well. Yeah, he did. I'm but like, he, dude, it's fucking ravishing Rick Rude. But he has that kind of fantasy esque look, like mm-hmm. that kind of character that's definitely your number two, which he was for a spell. Yeah. And again, don't get really accustomed to stay with a lot of the characters you're in. No. In fact, Pat Oswalt's character. He di- I Poor. thought. So I didn't know it was going to be an anthology. anthology. And so when he got disfigured and everything moved on later on, I was like, okay, he's going to be one of the overarching the villains. driving force, looking for his revenge. And no, next story. And I'm like, holy shit. They really didn't resolve a lot of that stuff well, did they? No. Let's see what happens. Nothing ended happily. The, this Until the very end, none of these little tales were like morality tales Mm-mm. were good one. Mm-mm. It was all fucking t- you're like, God damn, humanity should be kind of fucking white. Because even the heroes of the one, like, nope, you're, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Well, that's what's shocking initially, too, is when you find Lucy, Loss- Lu- Lucy Lawless's character get dispatched and swallowed up by the swamp. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, well, cause, yeah well, because she's like are the driving the- force, the main story, and then all oh, like, what? what? Okay. Well, now she's telling, is she telling from beyond the grave what's going on? And then so much so that the guy that she's talking to, the Guardian, mm-hmm. as voiced by the great Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. which another 
actor. Yes. Legit actor and responsible for he's if I'm he wasn't he part of the young ones? Yeah, he's in everything though. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Um as is in this case and this was what I specifically remembered was there being a crazy Ralph kind of character uh-huh. in this movie. Because he's like, oh, we're all doomed, doomed. And it was a cartoon. And I was like, and in an adult cartoon, it's not crazy Ralph, dude. It's crazy Ralph Baskey. It, and who better to voice a character like that mm-hmm. than one Larry Fessenden? Yes. And that's when he shows up <laughs> as a one-off character. It gives you, well, and anytime he shows up, it gives you horror cred. It, yes. That's the other he thing. He gives like, you horror. Oh, okay. Like, okay, okay, okay. It's a, this is a horror movie. <laughs> it's a it's proper horror. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's so much weirdness that's also going on in this film. And I talked. We talked about the nudity and not necessarily the sexual shenanigans because there's really none of it. But no, hold on. Oh no, there is one. There was a moment there, actually, kind of like the shinning. Yeah. Yes. The castle overlook when you <laughs> when, when you, you open the door and, and that, there's a woman out there. And on the bed. Next thing you know, there's like a goat man looking out like there. Oh, from the side of the door. Closes the door. It was great. And I'd forgotten about that. And the goats. And I was like, oh, ah, it is that, it is that kind, kind of, of film. It's a gothic castle. <laughs> <laughs> but then from the disfiguring of the face of um, uh, Pat Oswalt's Patton character Oswald. to the initial. Because I thought it was going to be like the Red Skull moving forward. Of course. As you would. Mm-hmm. As you would. And the design is great. But that's where you get the first level of violence in terms of your cleavings, of which I just, for some reason, especially in this kind of world, even the phrase, a cleaving, and yeah. a proper cleaving, done several times throughout. Multiple times. Well, even before we get to Patton Oswald, when uh, Ravishing Rick Rude violates the, the circle, uh, oh. the fire circle, and they go f- stab people in the eyeballs and slit their throats. And I was like, oh, wow, that's violent. Okay. And another element in terms of the violence yeah. and just the, the variety of violence we get in this film. There's like, like cleaving, there's bifurcation, there's exsanguination. M- multiple meltings. Yeah, lots and of like, meltings. From magic to just lava and to see the destruction and the degradation the of detail people. detail of yes. it, right. And that's the thing that brought me back to, to heavy metal mm-hmm. and some of that initial scar the shit out of you when you see that too young. Yeah. It's it's all it's peppered throughout this. It's flavored throughout. In fact, like their skulls and the skeletons all have that heavy metal kind of feel to it. Oh yeah, there's a scene that almost feels right out of the B fifty two bomber one. Mm-hmm. Where oh. the dead are coming back to take their revenge, and I was like, "This is glorious! It's fantastic!" Like, and they moved they moved in a Harryhausen way too. Yes, they did. Well, there's. Again, seven years in the making. I think they had like four animators on it, so it took a lot of time. But that's where you realize there's a lot of heart, effort, goes back to the charm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even looking at um, Phil Tippett's uh, Mad God, something that took like, what, 30-some years? 30 years, something like that. No, this movie was super slick. I mean, like, it it was what you'd want on the side of your Trapper Keeper, but done in an adult way ways told in an adult way without being gratuitous on the nudity or the sex i mean well, well it, everybody I mean, dog every sex i should say it's but, but as matter of fact as it is but also being gratuitous with the violence well can you imagine those seeing this as a youngster i would have probably giggled during some of those 
But then I've been used to it, like, oh, this is oh, bloody this is- shit. <laughs> Great. It. Come, come for the, the nudity, dishes. stay for the copious amounts of blood. Also, we talk- that would have been my salvo for fourteen-year-old genius. We've talked about it before. Do we offer an animated Yelp review and warning on this one? Right. Do I, we say holy Sisu? Yeah, we have animated Sisu warning. There is a, a horse melting mm-hmm. in this case that was fairly shocking. Because it came out of nowhere. Yes, We're it like, did. oh, you're supposed to be the good guy. We're one with nature, but first let me melt your horse. We're going to do the glue factory. <laughs> They they go they go to the Beyond Factory. Yeah, they technically do. though it is yeah, the Blue do. Beyond. Mm-hmm. And that whole mass hypnosis sequence was another one. I'd come. This is probably it's probably been about a year since I watched this movie. Um, not that I haven't necessarily thought about it since then, but beyond everything after like ha- halfway through felt like a first time viewing. It yeah. just felt very fresh. Cool. Yeah. No, that's the best part. So little elements like that, and that's just it. It's the. Smaller elements of horror that is, again, kind of just here and there. And then you get long runnings and ruminations. And again, this movie does run kind of deep philosophically. And it's all about knowledge. And in this case, access to these Old Ones-esque books as they are sieging these cities. At first. Mm-hmm. Until they get the actual Bloom power. And that's then, the thing. The For a brief moment, for a little bit... You'd think, okay, the Bloom's going to be the MacGuffin, the MacGuffin, the MacGuffin, but then it realizes, no, this has actually been foretold. I really enjoyed the way, I mean, it kind of not bait and switched me, but like this was a good way to wrap it around. This was a good all-encompassing. So when it went weird. Which part? Let's let's talk specifically. We are coming not too long ago from a viewing of Videodrome on Friday Night Frights. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, when he gets the Igina? The Igina. And the Igina that grants you access to space and the time. wonders of the universe, yeah, becoming one with that, legit love me that level of just the weirdness and something again, mad creativity. It, I mean, just seeing like diff- mm-hmm. the, their interpretation of otherworldly beings, and like I said, but, there was no creatures, there was no like monsters or like tentacles coming out of space. It was just all encompassing power and knowledge. Yeah. It, it was wonderfully weird. I think Schoolhouse Rock taught us that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. I think G.I. Joe taught us that knowing is half the battle. So you add them both together. <laughs> well, and I, weirdly, this is another animated tell telling us the dangers of power and knowledge. And, and knowledge. Forbidden books. Because yeah, he goes full emperor and it's yes, rad. It's great. And even... His visage, when and his cloak and his well, weapons, and we, then we had the man with the flower on him. Well, I had to question initially if the first time you are wearing the bloom, mm-hmm. if it is by by rule that you have to porky pig it, because both of them were sans bottoms, yeah, but had the decorative top. I th- I think so. I think it's that's a, or that's a fashion choice because <laughs> they could have easily took some of the bloomage and pure, created bloomers, well, if you will. That's and what had like leaf pants or been like made like. But you know what? I guess if you're all powerful, fuck modesty. Well, that's like you Doctor Manhattan, saying? right? Like okay, that's fine. The only reason why I wear pants is for you people, <laughs> right? Well, you talked about having or maybe what you anticipated, kind of a Masters of the Universe feel. All the things that happens in this kind of a movie would make Skeletor blush. Yeah. And nah, that's the thing, though. That's why I love kind of fantasy and why fantasy is a daunting 
um, genre, be mm-hmm. it you know the stuff that is written to the stuff that is even movie wise, especially even animated series as well. Because it can come out bunk as shit, eh. and I think it also all depends on uh, intent. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you can tell the intent with this movie. It was a callback to Fire and Ice, which, by the way, again on Patreon. Uh, regardless of you cheer, you're going to be hearing my thoughts because I recently watched Fire and Ice for the first time. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad uh, I didn't watch it back in the day because it came out in '83. And have have you? Has no, that's one seen? I want to see. I haven't okay. seen that one. Let me. But do that's it. the one with the Naughty Princesses. <sighs> the Naughty Princesses. And what was funny is I'm watching the movie. Don Bluth meets Ralph Basky. Lee. It's and it's Frank Frazetta as well. Mm-hmm. And every time, and it's the way she, she is shot and drawn, again, the whole Jessica Rabbit, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. There would have been a time from like 83 to probably about 86. If I had watched it, I would have known something was going on on the screen, right? <laughs> right. But I wouldn't have known necessarily what it was, but like, there's something interesting with that. Something happening, something wrong. Something dirty, isn't it? <laughs> Mark. <laughs> He should Nash would have put me under arrest because then any time from like eighty seven beyond to I think when we had internet, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. I mean, I was and that's when I was watching it. I was laughing throughout every time because I'm like, well, that would have been a moment I would have used the movie. There's there's another moment. Rewind. No, the problem is though, I would have enjoyed the carnage that happened in between. Right. Yeah. It was. And listen, it was come for the car, come for the boobs, stay for the carnage. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what a movie like this, I think, gives us, where we have all these excellent, excellent element, excellent elements, and to the point when we get to the air battle and the introduction. Of, of uh, a castle orgy. Oh, my God. So one of the tales, they have these bird people. They're like in plague masks, like not steampunkian, but just enough. <laughs> and Batman wings. And they're all wearing bondage gear. Yeah. Every single oh, one yeah. of them bondage oh, yeah. gear. And I'm like, is BDSM, does that mean for like birds doing sexy martial arts? Because they're over there doing flips and shit. And like, we got to take down this, this airship right because this whole like peaceful city is being besieged by the guy and his bloomingtons and um they send out these new fandangled things called airships and they're just obliterating the the the, the lava the, scenes are the ramparts right just with lava and it's great so these sexy bird people decide to take it in their own hands and they go and march an offensive on uh the bloom guy and they fuck them up pretty good but they all lose their lives horrible and i'm like well, maybe if you had like a little bit more gear, you know. I mean, I know you're flying people, and you want to keep aerodynamic, but like I was gonna say, just, yeah, wind resistance, but just leather straps. You know, <clears throat> you would think like even even wind resistance or not, you're flying that leather chafing your skin. You're gonna oh, have yeah. like marks and burns. You better have some like bird talc or something. There's, and they go in like, and what were their weapons? One had an eyeball, and one had a stick. Mm-hmm. Now, while they did some really good shit with that eyeball and stick, I think, like, if they're going to... Because they were, like, straight up, like, sexy, weird Batman. Like, what's the password? You know? <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so I I was thinking they were going to do, like, like, throw out, like, bird catch Bird rings or something, or something along the... Yeah. They actually... 
they went the Flash Gordon route. Yeah, they did. In this case, via uh, hijacking uh, War Rocket Ajax. So they went more Flash Gordon with their outfits. But yes, they did. Yes. <laughs> Again, a great combination. That's what you get with a movie like this, without a doubt. Uh, in fact, uh, there's that moment now where he's very much the God King, mm-hmm. and he is in his blood pool, which... Again, so many moments in this movie, I'm like, oh, fuck, we just need to pause that and just appreciate it and just soak it in. Meanwhile, a flaming uh, airship is on its way there. That's another cool shot. I mean, that's very much Flash Gordon and he's holding it up. And that's when you get the moments where she summons. No, actually, technically, no. That's when he takes everyone out. You get the huge explosion. And you think, yeah, evil's vanquished. Nope. He gets up again. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. Then, <laughs> yeah. But in terms of comeuppance, his is probably his the is best. His is great. Because you do have her with the last bit of the bloom summoning that army, which was awesome. Fucking slick. They all had slick. such distinctly different designs. And they also, that's where we get a, a throat rip mm-hmm. that would have made Dalton blush. Yeah. We get a... Uh, Just gutting. Just, just oh with my the intestines God. pouring out, and they just briefly mentioned him and didn't make a big deal about him. But when they came up, they're like, "I know exactly who they are." You know, they didn't make. It, oh, was, it was foretold yeah, a long time ago guardians. that the guardians were needed upon summoning, right? And this again leans into the the Tolkienist of it all. But it was a lot of show don't tell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because they could have went the easy route and said did a lot of exposition dumps with just voiceover but they didn't they they, like this is what happened this is what we're doing and you like i said you could tell it was a labor of love they genuinely had a cool story to tell and a definite vision of how they wanted to tell it oh and they told it they told it they told it violently extremely violently they told it philosophically loved it yeah it leans into all the meanness but by the time then I thought for a second they were going to kind of do a draw and quarter him yeah but this is where we get another cleaving but it's that moment where the body, like you said at the very beginning, where it's trying to pull itself back together again. See, and I th- I think we grew up on Looney Tune cartoons. I think Panos Cosmatos grew up on things like this. You know what I'm saying? It's very cosmic. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time she pulls the heart out. Kali Ma style. After then, he's being ripped and shredded. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it great. Great. Because just again. Not that there was not a lot of detail on the humans and the and the the background, but again, you save the detail and you save the color for what it needs to yep, be for that splash page mm-hmm. or that specific moment. Now, well, I caught bits of that in Perfect Blue, yeah, where you could see animation wise where there was some just not substandard, but the ones that I think that are in there to contrast more with those other moments. Yeah, and that's what I think what's interesting with animation as a storytelling feature, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm as a newbie. You know, learning those things and seeing that throughout a number of the films. Because at this case as well, I'm trying to, in the month of January, watch some other new adult animation movies. Right. Don't That's... go down too far that rabbit oh, hole. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got my uh, my little lifesavers on, my water wings. Right. And I will be using you as a reference. Because, like, seriously, it's one thing to get bit during Shitty Shark Month. It's another thing to get bit. Oh. Yeah, you don't... I will never You don't want something from, from them, those depths... No, 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 no. That's, uh, (laughs) my God, that was still one of those things that I will, yeah, I'll always be referencing you on that particular side. There was a nice 
title reference drop. Yay! During one of the most that was when they were getting hopeful. High. Yeah, supposedly when there's like a, a peace and love. Well, you Spice. it was that nice little reprieve at that time until they got violently <laughs> murdered. <laughs> until they both got beheaded in front of each other. But Betty yeah. Gabriel always let's see. Yeah, everyone, everyone yeah. involved, and even the directors. And I should say it took. It's horrible that it takes us this t- long to talk about them. Um, one of them, uh, Philip Galat. Mm-hmm. was a writer on the Netflix series Love, Death, and Robots. I like that. Okay, so you've seen bits and pieces of that? I've seen a lot of it, actually. So curious, then, do you see any overflow at Makes all? Makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. Now, I, I got I to gotta see which one is his, but like... Well, and that's just it. It was co-directed. The other one was Morgan Galen King, and mm-hmm. they've probably got more writing credits than directorial credits. So as you mentioned, this is probably one of those things that was a labor of love. Yeah. That maybe... At the, do you think at a certain point there is like, you know, is anyone, is there still an audience for this? Oh, I would imagine somebody at some point in time, they're like, man, this would be a great movie. They probably went in like thinking like, hey, we can make this like Avatar or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. live action with fantastical worlds and shit. But then it's like, nah, let's make it a cartoon. And yeah, I, I wonder if they're like, I wonder if there's people are going to watch it. But as we've seen. It might not be a big hit instantaneously or mm-hmm. even here in the States, but it's going to find its audience. It's going to hit with somebody. And it, it hit the festival circuits, and that's where the word of mouth came from. And I liked it. I'll sing its praises. I'm like, that's Friday night was fucking rad. Yeah, it's again, I'm glad that you kind of had that journey where you went in thinking one thing mm-hmm. and came out just totally different with that particular experience. You yeah. peered into the the the, <clears throat> the eye vagina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, in, in the void. And, I could see... This pairing well with something like The Void or something like that. It, like I said, it does lean into that cosmic horror element mm-hmm. of necessarily knowledge that we aren't supposed to have. Correct. And, and the madness it will bring. Mm-hmm. And there's... <laughs> the wanton destruction. <laughs> and there's, and like I said, there's so much just... In fact, would you say... No, no, no. I mean, we've watched movies that are like probably 10 times more violent, but just in terms of the level of gore and the lack of cleanup... In this case, with something in terms of that is normally practical and gory and nasty. Mm-hmm. In this case, no, it's an eraser, and then you're fine. Exactly. And yeah, just some of the viscerations, and it's, it's the, it's the melting, and just the the way the skin falls off. It's it's haunted me as a kid, and it still freaks me out to this day. Because they enhance on it, they focus uh, on it. Uh. Even like those old school like black cauldron and shit, when people are getting melted <sighs> or thrown in goo, they it, always like introduce. They like, savored the, it. Yeah, it, just uh, the flesh being ripped off. It's terrible. And like I said, it and growing up kind of a coward as a kid, animation was supposed to be that safe place for me. Well, now they also have, they had uh, somebody dying in quicksand. I'm just glad they didn't have any like ye old uh, refrigerators, right? Or ye old bike stores in this case. Right. And then one thing I wrote in my notes, and this is only going to be for fucking media rewind fans, but like. Like I'm sitting there watching them, like the bird people, like do their shit and battle the airships and the, the throwing molten lava. And I'm sitting there. Oh, I hope nothing happens to me today. Hope no lava comes out. Only bird people will shit on me. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh no. Right. I was waiting <laughs> for that throughout when we were watching the movie for the last I 50 said it. minutes. I, said it. I have been waiting for that. I'm not saying I was trying to set things up for you. But I was like, when is it going to happen? Yeah, I know, cause I was because like, hey. it's, it's he was right. perfect. I wrote, my notes, I'm like, oh, no. I wrote the woeful surf. Melted. Smelted. <laughs> uh, 
died horribly. <laughs> poor Melvin, poor Willful Surf. God damn, never a good day. <laughs> Nothing happens with these bad people. <laughs> it's, like I said, it's one of those that I guarantee if you throw this on in the background at a party, mm-hmm. it's going to stop the party dead because they're going to see unless one of those to, moments. Unless you're at a trip out party. Oh, no. Unless it's your happening and it freaks you out because, like. Is it fueling the bird orgy? Oh, yeah. I think this movie was oh. like. The score of this movie as well, and that's the other nice surprise for me, was uh, Peter Scartabello uh, composed this one, and I didn't really remember it being a standout thing that first viewing. But it was cool. This this second time, it was very revelatory for me. In fact, let me take a look here, based on some of the stuff that he's also done, a lot of stuff we probably haven't heard. So yeah, good job on this one. It didn't... It, it's not synth pop at no, all, or not, synth no. wave, it, but it's almost like synth barbarian there was some acoustic moments yeah some really good acoustic and i just rewatched. it was on the social media as it was a clip from uh conan the barbarian the or speak the orgy Orgy. the orgy siege sequence and the use of basil polydaris's music it had a lot of touches and flourishes of that you could tell the people that the 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 people who made this movie love like sword and sorcery and like all of that shit well, Even the canon stuff, because there was some like cool like not references, but like I can see the parallel between like the canon or the low budget Miles mm-hmm. O'Keefe sword and sorcery movies. Yep. Your Ators, right? Your yours. If this, if, like, it would be Ator and your if with a bigger budget. Yeah. Like if they would have done this in animated form, they because they have the giant spiders and wizards and shit. You know, it would be great. But I liked it. I like this is what. Those old school barbarian movies should be. And we grew up on a, a pretty steady diet of those. And a mm-hmm. lot of them are always horror adjacent shit. Speaking of Don Coscarelli, you know, the Beastmaster. Beastmaster, yeah. Is, there are so many elements of horror in that. And that's the stuff I think that was a, it was my gateway back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was so by the time I got into high school, I was like, okay, I'm brave. I can watch these movies and enjoy them. But it was stuff like this. Crush your enemies. We grew up on barbarian shit. I didn't realize, though, how much, you know, it leaned into horror. Yeah. You know, but that's the that's part of the, again, some 400 episodes in, my journey through genre is just seeing how that stuff was, again, seeded so long ago, but continues to bear just this wonderful fruit. Mm-hmm. As in this entire month of January, going through all these animated movies, having a blast with them. Uh, other thoughts on your notes there, Genius, before we wrap this up? Um, let's see. Crazy Ralph Baskin. <laughs> Hang Dong and with Power. Uh, let's see. It, it, Sunflower what? Cave Out Trip. That was cool. Castle Orgy. And uh, I was I, I wrote down that was easy because when she goes, I've got now the power in me, and he goes, kill her. Poop, poop, poop. And I'm like, well, that was easy. It's, we're all... We're all made of flesh. Mm-hmm. It's fragile. And I was like, God, this is going to be a real dour ending. Mm-hmm. But actually, and then it, and suddenly, cue in the music, and it's just that moment of, ah? Yeah. And then it's, how do I process the spine of night? And that is to be said, this is definitely not that entry level. Would, would you call this entry level adult animation no. in terms of what we've looked into? Well, I don't know. I mean, Especially first of all, you have to be adult to... To be watching it, you know. Well, no, are, you, depends- are you kidding me? No, anyone I, can. No, that's true. That's true. I guess it depends on what you're going for when it comes to adult. If you I mean if you want to like sit down and actually say like, hey, I want to start delving into the world of adult animation, I this might be not 
necessarily gateway, but if it is, there's a lot worse to there's a that's lot fair. worse to go. That's uh, that's into, fair. That's fair. You know, because I mean, for a lot of people, their adult was just probably like just for sexual reasons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, yeah. I want to well, see dirty cartoons. And this one would be very much a bait and switch mm-hmm. in because terms of what you no, start with. There's no sex. So, like no. I said, the nudity is just there. It's very clinical, very yeah. matter of fact. You know, so. Yeah. It, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I'm ho- I'm curious to see if any of you out there, what you've thought of this, this was available to view on Shudder, Shudder. Mm-hmm. at this point. And yeah, it's with a movie like this, I'm glad I got to see it in the theater because it was an experience. But yeah, this is where, like you said, it's going to find its audience. It was cool. Yeah, this one was a lot of fun. Now, we are going to be closing out this month with a movie, ideally, that neither of us mm-hmm. have seen to kind right. of balance the power. We're still looking to figure out what we're going to watch. <laughs> we'll figure. You'll know when we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Oh.